Well, hello, everybody. There's no introduction today with the music. I'm sorry, Mr. Sigler, but Joe handles all of that, and he's um, off and about on his uh, educational trip. So it's just myself and Martin Witkowski. How you doing, Martin? I'm doing very well, Tony. We just got done with a morning training session, and I'm beat. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I can't see you. All I can see is some spotlight. There you go. Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm barely standing. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, Martin normally works out. We do a Zoom thing. Uh, his f- training varies. Now we're going like on about an hour and 15 minute nonstop, no rest. Uh, others, t- Other times we'll go back to like a two-hour thing where there'll be just momentary breaks. But Martin's, of course, we didn't start that way. We had to work up to it. But Martin's conditioning is um, really great. And we're. I'm trying to. As a matter of fact, as we're doing this, I'm trying to get a sparring session lined up with another one of my guys. Uh, but it's so difficult to get people together, especially at these gyms, because they don't allow outside trainers, me being the outside trainer. None of these gyms do. Uh, and, it, and it really makes it almost impossible um, to train people quality because not all gyms have, you know, honestly, most. A lot of gyms just don't have qualified instructors. I don't know about this place because I've never been to it. Um, this is a boxing gym, but we're going to try to do our, what we can. But uh, so what's up, Martin? Uh, no, not too much. Um, you know, to, to your point, I think that um, in our past training, we've been lucky uh, to be able to, you know, either take advantage of the gym you were able to organize or go to places that were more liberal with, you know, the resources they had. I, I think it's all kind of messed up because of insurance purposes. You know, they don't want to risk this, that, and the other thing happening. So um, it's it's kind of hard, to your point, to find some place that will let you just occasionally drop in. These drop-in fees don't really exist anymore. They used to. I remember we dropped into gyms all the time, you know, yeah. to, to roll around with guys and stuff like that. That just doesn't happen anymore. Um, yeah, and, you know, and I get it that this is, you know um, – like if you were if you were going to a classroom setting, of course you're going to want the head instructor to teach. But we're yeah we don't do that. What we do is different, you know. So if I bring somebody in to weight train them or teach them boxing or or how to fight on the ground, yeah, I'm not. It's just me and that person or two people. We don't want your instruction. Okay, what we're doing is more advanced. So, but it's 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 tough to do that. But normally you could just rent space. But you like you say they don't. A lot of places just don't do that any longer. Right, right. Uh, and then the other thing that I, I wanted to uh, uh, point out is like with the training that you've been putting me through, I find that my body's adapting to certain things. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to take you up on some training, uh, I wanted to really recommend sticking to a plan because with a goal in mind, you can get there. It's really hard to self-motivate to follow through on like a plan without a coach, without an overarching goal. And um, I've, I've heard, listened to other people describe this phenomenon, like especially as you get older, your body can't just pick up this activity and that activity and get good at it. There has to be like a track and uh, that helps you develop. And, you know, thank you again for uh, providing oh. that because I, I can see the difference. Well, thank you because, you know, your every support, every, everything helps me. But the, the thing is you're a great athlete, whether you want to admit it or not. And that's part of the problem when you get older is when you do group settings, 
they're many times they're not the most it, it 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 doesn't always work out because everyone is different your bodies have gone through a different lifespan and different you know things have happened and um you need an instructor that will cater specifically to you like like i mentioned earlier and martin will testify we've gone through a variety we i know when his body's starting to get adapted to it and once it's adapted then you switch again okay this is how you keep pushing a person to develop and and it can't be a random haphazard thing you got to pay attention so uh it's really an advanced way of training um yeah it's just not cookie cutter so the biggest problem is when you become stale or like, especially like in music, when you have repetitive stress, okay, the, the repetition over and over, the same thing can cause injuries too. So you kind of got to mix it up. But Martin, and he's just a great example. I mean, you guys have seen him on the Lucky 13. Well, he, he's not lost a step. He's great. But uh, yeah, we've had some excitement here, people. In the greater Chicagoland area since the 4th of July with the Highland Park tragedy. And yesterday, four people shot in River North. Uh, come on, Martin. What do you have to say about all of this? Well, no, it, it's really tragic because for a long time, you could sort of, um, uh, you know, pretend that these things don't happen in places where you would go, Right. But the, the bar in River North last night, it was, uh, you can see it on the news, it's a place called Snickers. I've been there many times. It's just a nothing, hole-in-the-wall sports bar, but it's popular. It's very centrally located. It, a lot of people roll through there, and there is cop cars right around it all the time. So it's not like this was happening in an unpatrolled, unsupervised you know, neighborhood. There's people, there's cops, and they still rolled up and shut up the place. Yeah, and it's multiple. You know, again, four people. Uh, one, yeah, I don't know about the one guy. He's in critical condition, you know, getting shot, at, what, the jaw and the chest and wherever. Uh, yeah, we kind of touched on this on last Sunday's podcast right right before the holiday about, you know, it can happen anywhere. You know, for those of you who don't really know Highland Park, you know, Michael Jordan lived in Highland Park. I used to coach in the town next to it, Highwood, many back in the 90s. Um it's very affluent, uh, you know, uh, it can happen anywhere. Uh, it, it, you just cannot point fingers. Well, look at how bad Chicago was or look at how bad, you know, such and such a place is. I've said this before and I'll say it again. And I've said this many times. When you are confronted with a violent crime, you personally are in the most dangerous spot on planet Earth. Okay. So what I mean by that is anywhere that it's happening now is more dangerous than any other place on planet Earth at that point in time. So it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm not, thank goodness I'm not in Ukraine or I'm not in Iraq or some war zone. Yeah, you are when you're at the, you know, when, when you're thrust into that position. So you just have to be prepared mentally and physically, uh, especially mentally. Mentally is something that you can you can prepare for physically. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do like this Highland park shooter was just picking people away. He was sniping. Uh, but mentally you have to be prepared for this. Yeah. And um, you know, I've confirmed it. I, my, my wife has some friends uh, who work in the medical field in a, 
in a subtle way, you're lucky if this happens if you live in Chicago, because Chicago has four excellent trauma centers where they've gotten good at putting people together from gunshot wounds. The, the Stroger Hospital, the Masonic, the Loyola, the Northwestern, they all have very good trauma centers with doctors that cross-train in all these different hospitals. They all know each other, and they can put you back together. If you get shot in the suburbs, I don't know what your chances are. Depends which trauma center they get you into and how quickly they get you there. So, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, like Chicago is a safer place to get horribly damaged. Yeah, it's funny. You're so right because, you know, some of them don't even have level two trauma centers, let alone level one trauma centers. Where I'm at currently right here, this this is not a place, you know, you don't want any kind of serious health crisis in this area. Uh, your, your best hope would be a life flight, but now who knows? Um, but the same thing with Cleveland. Cleveland is one doctor out here. When I was in a hospital years ago, you remember, he used to say, you're going to get sick. You want to get sick in Cleveland. They got the best hospitals in the country, you know, so Cleveland clinic university, all that shit. And it's right there. So that's the same thing here with Chicago. And you mentioned Stroger, which is a, you know, county hospital, public hospital, basically free hospital, although they do bill you. Um, but it's supposed to be free depending on your assets. Um, yeah, they send a lot of, you know, people there for, for gunshot wounds. If you're on the North side, there's an equivalent hospital. I forgot the name of it right now on the far South side, but it's the same level of care when it comes to gunshot wounds they They know what they're doing down there. Um, Bear in mind, we're the third largest city in America, you know, 2.6 million in the city proper, but like 9 million people in the general area. So when you take the statistics, and I know people like to twist statistics, uh, pound for pound, you know, Chicago is not the most dangerous city in America, not by a long shot. But again, wherever you're at, you could be in the middle of Nowheresville, USA. If somebody's drawing a bead on you, man. You're now in the most dangerous city in America. That's 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 the thing that I got to impress upon people. Just don't ever think you're safe because, you know, you're not. Yeah. And the other thing that uh, people don't realize that a lot of the gunshot wounds require specialized treatment. Like recently there was a case of a woman that died from getting shot in the hip. So you think, okay, oh, it's shot in the hip. What's the big deal? That's just a big bone. But she was far enough from a trauma center because this happened in Belmont Craigan neighborhood, which is kind of on the northwest side, to where it hit some kind of artery and she just bled out. And, you know, if you don't know how to treat that, it's not that simple. You can't just put a tourniquet on it and hope for that. Yeah, that's my old neighborhood. So Res, Resurrection is probably, that's where most people go for stuff, but they're not known. There's not, you know, traditionally, there's not a lot of gunshots or gun, you know, gun violence in that area. Traditionally, I don't want to say it never happens. Obviously it does. So yeah, I would say, unless I'm mistaken, I would probably say Stroger's the closest hospital. Uh, That's not that close. And it's not that close, especially going down Belmont or however they would have to get there with traffic. Uh, Yeah. But you know, also your mindset has a lot to do with, I remember many years ago when I was uh, in this police Academy training, um, they were, talking about somebody who got shot multiple times, but had that will to live. And another was a police officer that actually got shot 
like once and freaked out. Okay. He thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to die. And sure enough, he, he did. Uh, and, it, and it was a survivable wound, but his blood pressure, everything, it just going out of control. And he, like this lady bled out. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's easier said than done, but you, you, you have to stay calm as much as possible uh, through any of this. And, and hopefully, you know, you may go into some shock, so you're not freaking out over pain, but there's so much involved in Yeah. It, it's, it, it's never black and white. It, it's never cut and dry. There, there's so many variables. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, to, with so many variables, like all crowds are not created equal. Like I always hated parades. Ever since I, I think some of my friends and I were going to meet up at the Southside Irish Parade years ago, and we never met up because they got belted with belted with um, with beers. <laughs> they never even saw where they came from. They just got nailed with beers, and like they laughed. They just said, "You know, screw this." And that made me realize these parades are like complete mess like you don't even know what's happening three rows of people in front of you and like the the highland parade you know somebody brought in heavy ordnance and there is no metal detectors there's no security there is no perimeter they're very very unsafe i've always hated parade yeah that's the part of like bodyguarding like if you're going to bodyguard like i had to protect people and crowds uh always was that's when you're you're on high alert because you just don't know. You have to go under the assumption that everyone is a potential, you know, bad guy. Okay, uh, it's it sucks to be that way, but that's how I've always lived my life. You know that you you and I have been out in, in social settings countless times where you know I'm the guy who's always hyper alert. I'm always you know looking around because shit tends to happen. I mean you you mentioned a couple of weeks ago to me. You came out for like a birthday party or something, and then you walked in to see me having somebody got somebody subdued over a pool table and shit, um, with a cue stick in his eyeball. You know, uh, shit happens anywhere. You you just got to be prepared for it. Yeah, I think you mentioned that typically when stuff goes sideways in a bar, it will be over a woman or over a gay, right, yeah. or dark or whatever. So this birthday party, it was your birthday party. I, I remember coming late because it was in, it was on Oak Park Road. I remember that because I thought, oh, it's yeah. Oak Park. It's got to be a nice place. But it was a dump. It was some kind of a dump in a... Polish <laughs> Park. The side. Yeah, it, it was something like that. It was towards the side of Oak Park Road that spills out onto where O'Hare is, you know, that area. And, uh, and yeah, I got there late and there was nobody in, at the bar and I was wondering where everybody was. And then I heard this commotion coming in from the pool room and then I go in there and you've got a pool cue pointing at somebody's eyeball with, you know, I don't know, Javier or Bruce or somebody trying <laughs> to kill you off this guy. Well, so. it, was, it wasn't my fight. You know, I was there breaking it up. You came in there afterwards, but, you know, he was threatening somebody with a cue stick, an older guy. So I, nobody, I saw the whole nine yards. So I burst over there, um, took him out, disarmed the cue stick out of him quickly, and then, you know, shoved it in his face, you know, right at his eye, you know, so he got an idea of what it's really like, you know, to be threatened. He didn't like it too much. So, yeah, you know, but but beside all of that, really, it, it can happen, and it does happen, uh, 
anywhere possible. Don't ever. I mean, we can't constantly have our guard up. So when I, when, when, when I would, I was about to say, don't let your guard down. And that's kind of like a figure of speech, but what, what advice I give people is this dress for fighting. Okay. Except in a rare occasion where, you know, you're at a wedding or something, you have to wear a tuxedo or some jazz. Always be careful of what you wear. Make sure that you, nothing is restricting you in case you have to fight. Number two, be trained to fight in street clothing. Okay. Uh, in the summer, that means, you know, whatever you normally wear. In the winter, your heavy jacket, maybe your snow boots and shit. Three, be prepared for improvised weapons. Okay. Start even at your own house. You know, looking, if you're sitting in your living room, look at what could be used as a weapon. All right, uh, that you could use or that somebody else could use. Get prepared for this stuff because uh, there really is no such thing as a fair fight. There, there really isn't. All right, nobody's expecting that. Those days are, they say they're long gone, but I don't know if they ever really existed. All right, go through the records, Martin. You're, you're kind of like a historian. People were getting shot, stabbed, you know, bludgeoned forever. All right, it's nothing new. Rarely one-on-one. Rarely is it a dual situation. I mean, right. there is duelists out there that had duels. And I, I think like the number one duelist, some Hungarian guy, and he won, you know, whatever, 20 duels. But think about all the victims in, the, in that time span. It wasn't 20. It wasn't 200. It was thousands of people. Oh, sure. And you so never you hear have... about them. They weren't duels. Well, I think one of the disservices that I'll speak generally in the martial arts world is where they show you how to empty hand, like defend against, you know, some sort of a weapon thing. And yeah, sometimes that's all you have. I mean, so you do need to know that, but there is a, I don't know, a stigma of if, if you're a tough guy, if you're a trained martial artist, why would you need to pick up a pipe or why would you need to pick up a beer bottle? Well, because you're brain, because you got, because you're brainy. All right. You're smart. Uh, there's no, there's nothing that says that if this gentleman or person has a weapon, that I don't have to have one. Okay, uh, it, so it's really and a chair, especially like a four-legged chair, as opposed to like a pedestal stool, can really come in in handy. You know, at, you know, jamming at them and you know, keeping them at bay. Uh, you know, not so much with a gun, but I'm saying with a knife or or, you know, a broom or a Q-stick or pipe, something like that. Start getting used to using those things. Um, you, you have to, you know, you just, you just have to get, get accustomed to improvising. That's what it's all about. Right. And to that point, uh, there was, I mean, historically, there was development of fighting styles based on, like, the most commonly available items. Like, one of the things that I remember... I, I had a roommate who was into this uh, recreationism uh, uh, stuff. And uh, one of the fighting styles involved having a blade and a coat because people would always have a coat. So you would use the coat as a shield, a way of parrying and absorbing a, a strike. And then, you know, you carry a blade. This is like, you know, from medieval times. But again, it's, it's what everybody had and everybody could improvise. So they codified it. They were like techniques that you could use to to your advantage because you'd have a coat and you'd have a knife. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Now, I, I know that, and I don't want to get into this gun debate thing, you know, uh, but I know that 
there, there's, there's, there's laws. Okay. There's laws that we have to follow. It's, it, it's not the old West. Even the old West wasn't the old West, but uh, you know, when you're armed to the teeth, you're going to be considered a suspect in something. All right. So I've, I've told, I've talked to martial arts artists, you know, that did like a lot of knife fighting. They, some of these guys would walk around with four or five blades on them. I'm like, you're, you're in trouble if you ever have to use that because, you know, a judge, they're, they're going to be like, why, why do you have that many? What's yeah, up? Premeditated. Right. Exactly. Right. You're, you know, you're, you're almost looking for trouble. And the other thing is the length of the blade. I know in the city of Chicago, there's limits to how long a blade can be. Um, utility knives. That's fine. You know, people do legitimately carry them uh, for work purposes or what have you. So you're, you're good with that. But yeah. Um, when you start having all this stuff strategically placed, you know, yeah, you, you have to ask, somebody's going to ask you why, why are you living in, in, in that site sort of paranoia? Um, but to each his own, I, I just want, I, I just want people to realize that there's, there's jurisprudence afterwards. Okay. Unless you can hit and run, so to speak, get into the fight and get out. Um, odds are, you know, you're going to get caught and you're going to have to, you know, get a lawyer and you're going to have to go to court and all of this. So again, you got to be prepared for that. Uh, I mentioned this on a previous podcast a couple of years ago of, you know, make sure you have your life insurance. If you have a family, you, you're not worrying about what's going to happen to them in case you're, you're dead. You'll, you'll have a substantial life insurance policy set aside five grand or whatever to, for a retainer for, for, for legal purposes. Okay. Um, what, whatever the case may be, you know, you got to have some pre-planning. Uh, and even here where I live now, there's, there's trouble out here. This man, there, there's, there's, there's violence and there's trouble everywhere. So to, so to think that you can run from it. No. Uh, but I want to add this and then I'm going to let you have the floor. And this is very important for people out there who, 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 who have the wrong impression of Chicago or any larger city. There are literally millions of people through the years that have lived in a city such as Chicago or Cleveland or New York or what have you, that nothing has ever happened to them. Okay. They've never been mugged. They've never been, you know, robbed or, you know, any, you know, not even a fist fight. So just, it's a stereotype sometimes that, Oh my God, city, all everything's you dodging bullets all the time. The vast majority of people never come into direct contact with any kind of violent crime. Just remember that. All right. So, they're the lucky ones guys like myself and you, you know, shit's happened to us, but it doesn't happen to everybody. So you're not, you know, right. some people are just lucky. Well, right. And, and, you know, the, the news uh, seizes on these like shootings are spectacular. You know, there is a lot of footage available. It's panic. Everybody's seen, you know, the Highland Park marching band break into a trot and the, sh- the shots rang. So it, it kind of, makes the news and gives you the impression that it's happening all the time, which it, which it is. And like for the number of people that live around Chicago, it's pretty easy to, to avoid trouble um, or statistically never run into it. And, you know, to be honest, like I, I never had any problems. I've had kind of a bad streak of incidents on, on the subway and, and things of that nature lately, because I think that just generally there is a, a growing atmosphere of lawlessness um, but again, it's, it's no big deal. You know what I mean? Like it's not nothing tragic, just a bad day kind of an experience. Um, 
But the, the other thing that I wanted to like mention is like um, I always think that I might have to run at any given point in time. So I would never wear like flip flops. I see people in flip flops, and I think that it's just absolutely suicidal to go to a bar or for a night out in flip flops. You can't run. You can get stuff dropped on your foot. I, I've been with friends who, like, somebody dropped a beer bottle and off we go to the hospital and get stitches because the <laughs> foot is bleeding badly. Like, don't wear flip-flops. They're, they're for the backyard. You know, they're not for going out. You will just not be able to retreat or advance or do anything. They'll, they'll harm you. It's just terrible footwear. I, I say the same thing to my kids because they fall over. They try to run with flip-flops and they fall down. And off to the hospital we go. Oh, yeah, that's very, that's a very valid point. You know, yeah, it gets back to your wardrobe. You, you really need, when you're fighting, any sort of martial art or any, any self-defense situ, situation, you know, traditionally you're in a gi, you're in a kata, kata gi, you don't want that, okay? You want to look, well, I mean, you do it for, for historical purposes or whatever, but if, you're, if your main thing is self-defense, you need to train in your clothing that you're going to wear. If now this is controversial here, but if you like to drink, if you're a heavy drinker, you need to train drunk. Not every, again, not every day, but you need to show up drunk. If you like, to, if you're a pothead or something like that, get high, and then train and see how things, how you react in those situations. Um, work out in a bar if you can, if you can get access to one, if that's where you go, or you know whatever. Uh, Get used to the environment that you're normally in where you think shit's going to happen, okay? Uh, this isn't rocket science. This is just, to me, it's common sense. But again, I don't come from a martial arts background, you know, meaning, you know, I never never worked out in a wrestling singlet learning this stuff. Even boxing, we, we wore casual, casual clothes. Uh, any kind of fighting I did was in street clothes, okay? So... I guess maybe I had a little advantage. I, I wasn't raised on that hierarchy of, you know, uh, white belt, brown belt, you know, white, green, blue, whatever. I, I didn't go through that. So I, I feel lucky for me in my life that I, I avoided all of that, uh, you know, pomp and circumstance and just, hey, this is the way I dress. This is how I want to learn how to fight. Yeah. Um I always think that it might be important at some point to, to run. And uh, there, there's like some, some people that I work with, uh, they, they have like a saying, I think it's Indian in origin that, that says that you don't have to outrun the tiger, you just have to outrun the, the guy next to you. So, you know, like, I feel like being, being able to run, right, it's, it's just uh, another way of getting away from trouble. But let me ask you a hypothetical question, um, Tony. Like, let's say you're going to an event or, or a bar that feels dodgy for whatever reason. You know, it's got a bad vibe about it where would you position yourself would you like go for a place that you have your back to the wall so nothing comes out of nowhere or would you go somewhere where you have a clear escape route well i think one leads into the other yeah the worst thing is that somebody you know gets your six that's first and foremost i even if you see a clear pathway uh somebody may come from behind you as you're heading because you're focused so much tunnel vision, right, on that doorway and getting there. And let me tell you something. Back when I was in high school, if I had a sprint from here to the door, there were nobody that was going to get me, right? Nobody could catch me. Now, oh, my God, 
I can't, I can't run that far. All right. Um, you know, I just don't have the, uh, you know, my body doesn't respond like it used to, to, to sprinting and stuff. So, um, I, I would say it's both. Uh, but for me, first and foremost is I do look for entryways and exit ways. Okay. Now let me just, before we finish this statement, we don't have access to Joe's account today. So we're on a tight time limit. We only have about 10 minutes left. So we may abruptly have to end this uh, podcast. But I look for, for ways in and out because nothing, I don't expect everything to be static. So let's say there's 10 people in this dodgy bar. Well, I need to know at any moment, this 10 could become 15 or 20, especially today with the, with the cell phones. Hey, get over here. You know, there's going to, shit's going to hit the fan. So I want to always keep my eyes on the entryways. So that's why I say, Martin, it's both. But I need, I need to make sure that nobody gets behind me. Nobody comes on my blind spot. So I'm constantly looking around and like I teach you guys how to box always movement movement. So nobody knows where you're going to be at. You're not stationary. And that clear pathway to the, to the door could become clogged in a heartbeat. Uh, I never take anything for, for granted. I never make the assumption that it may be clear now, but by the time I get there, it may not be. Or what's waiting for me outside, you know? So for me, yeah, I don't, I don't want anybody getting behind me or getting on. And watch for crowds, watch for groups, people grouping, I should say. That's, you want to kind of avoid that if you have to, you know. Um, and don't. Right. Expect, That's like, yeah, go ahead. The, well, I was just going to say, don't. This is not sexist by any means, but, you know, women can get involved. People sometimes take for granted, oh, well, that's a woman. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you do. Okay. Because, you know, they, they can be fierce and ferocious just as anybody else can be. And the last thing you need is to get clobbered in the head with a beer bottle or some shit like that because you took it for granted. Well, this person seems meek. Everybody is your enemy. You can't count on anybody in a scenario like that i look at outside of like if you and i went out together but you know what i mean every stranger is a potential enemy and even if they're well-meaning they could get in the way and screw you up so yeah it's yeah there is uh you know outside of the cases where um firearms were involved a lot of the strong arm robberies these days in chicago involve groups of like um, upwards of, you know, three, five people. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you see a group of people that size coming at you, I recommend going across the street. So what? Big deal. You moved across the street. Now you're not uh, directly in the, in the target line. And these groups are typically mixed. It's men and women because, again, just because there is a couple of dudes in the group, uh, the woman can hit you with a beer bottle in the, in the back or, or whatever. It, it's just, it's, it's body. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, right? It's, if you're facing more than two people, then it's additional bodies and it's incremental danger. Well, talk to most police officers and they'll tell you they hate to go on domestic calls because the, the husband, let's say husband and wife are, you know, wishing each other death and all of a sudden you come into the picture. Now they're both against you. Okay, don't, don't you do that to him or don't you do that to her? So, yeah, uh, numbers are the biggest. It's, it's not the movies. And, yes, you, you can see live or actual video footage of somebody taking out multiple assail- assailants. I've been in that situation. I've done it. 
but it's, but I've also been in that situation where it didn't work out for me. Okay. Um, where, you know, they were working me over because there was just too goddamn many of them. Uh, you, yeah, you do want to over, you, you want to try to avoid that. That's why I say it's really important to watch where, when people are, are starting to group up, doesn't mean that it can't happen in a flash either, but know your surround, know your surroundings. So like, the places that I normally hang out at, I'm a regular. So I know everybody in there, okay? Um, and I know the pecking order. I know pretty much everybody gets along with me. They like me. They, they know that I protect the place. So I'm not worried about them turning on me. I'm worried about them trying to help me and getting away, okay, which which is well-meaning. They're well-intentioned. But now this is just another thing that I just don't need to deal with, okay? Um, but when you go to a strange place, place you haven't been to before you know it, it is a completely different dynamic but please people out there always look for entryways uh hideouts you know like little alcoves or how high is the bar can somebody be hiding behind the bar waiting for you or jumping out you know and, and getting you you got to look at all this shit <coughs> people get surprised when stuff happens only because i'm hardly ever surprised because myself and many others that that are critically aware we know what that, that you know you expect the unexpected you know uh it's up to the mind of somebody to be creative you know and so you need to be that person you don't have to do anything about it but you need you need to be like okay what would i do if i wanted to snuff somebody how would i go about doing it where would i hide out at what would i do what would i use surreptitiously Enter into that world, man, and, and all of a sudden shit starts to open up to you and you're like, wow, you know what? I never realized how diabolical I can be. Therefore, how diabolical can somebody else be that's, that actually is twisted mentally and has intent? Right. There is a, a video. This happened a few years ago, so I, I'm not going to get the name right. But, but it's a UFC uh, champion, like a guy achieved champion status in one of the lighter weight categories. And he gets into an incident at a gas station in Brazil. And, you know, at the first blush, he calms down the situation, gets the assailant out, him and his friend, you know, they're both tough guys, competing athletes. And then they get out and they hang out a little too long at the gas station. And the guy comes back with reinforcements and lays them out with a two by four. Months at a hospital, reconstructive surgery, all the kinds of crap. So, you know, that, that's the other kind of like aspect of it is you can't assume that the incident is over uh, in, in one go because it could come back. Yeah, they get there could next. be reinforcements coming, right? Yeah, they, they got somebody on the horn and they got more people come in and, and weapons. And now, now it's no longer a fair fight. Well, I hate to do this because we're on a – well, I'll tell you what. How about we do this, Martin? Let's continue this. Why don't – can can you set up? a link to resume so we can continue this, like send it to me. And there'll be like a momentary pause people of maybe 30 seconds or 45 seconds, but I'll try to edit it together um, because this is a topic I think we need to talk about because this is about ending uh, soon. So is there a way that you can do that right now? Yeah, I can do it, but I can stay maybe for another 15 minutes, but I can send another link for that. Yeah, we can just go for like another 10 or 15 minutes and then we'll be fine. Um, So let's, temporarily pause this or end this and then we're going to we're going to reboot it and hopefully i can edit it out so the people that are listening aren't aren't going to be left hanging so we'll be right back in a moment
Okay, I think we worked through that technical glitch. Our apologies here. We've never done this before. Um, but anyway, yeah, getting back to Martin's story about the Brazilian guys. Yeah, we we call those getbacks. And you, that's something you always have to watch out for. And my old buddy used to say, uh, a street fight's never over until until two continuances and a, and a judge's decision as well. But, yeah, you don't want to stick around for the aftermath. You really want to get the hell out of there. Um, you know, it, it's, again, not an act. These guys were obviously brave men. They, they, they fought tooth and nail. <clears throat> it's just the, the awareness. Don't stand around. Um, you just don't want to get shot uh, or, you know, any, any anything like this, two by fours. And, you know, that's, that's rough, man. That's, you know, that's a scary shitting thing. But that's how we were, like, in my neighborhood growing up as a kid, that's what you always, it always happened because everybody knew where everybody lived. So the fight was never over. They were going to get you. Okay. Um, yeah. Sucks. But, yep, that's that's part of it. Yeah, there is, like, a, also a overstaying your welcome in some of these places. I remember you and I went to a bar a long time ago, like a, like a crappy bar somewhere on the north side of Chicago. And there was an incident there, which uh, you helped to uh, the, the bartender – she was a woman, but she was like very assertive and she threw out a bunch of people. And you said, okay, let's get out of here. Let, you told her to close the bar. You told us to get out of here. And we left. We went in the car. And as we drove by the bar on the way, way out, the, the lights were already out. Now the windows were all broken. So in the time we got out of the bar and we went to the car and we drove in the car past the bar to go home. Somebody came by and trashed the, the windows. I don't know if they shot them out or threw rocks through them, but like somehow you knew that these guys were coming back. It was the right decision to just shut the party down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, I, I, it's the right thing to do, and it was unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's 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 staggering how when you're in the, when you're in that kind of business where. I mean, and it doesn't always have to be a bar. It could be anywhere. But when there's alcohol involved, you know, that stunts people's inhibition or it changes you. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it, you, you have to see the worst of it. Uh, I, I happen to know some very sad stories of people losing their life because people didn't take threats seriously enough. Nowadays, they're, they're, they're labeling people Karens, right? And sometimes they are, they bitch and moan about just baby shit. But other times now we're in a position where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. When you see somebody suspicious looking and you don't like do something about it, report it or, or whatever it is, and you let it go um, and then bad things happen, it's like, well, why didn't people see this coming? But on the flip side, if you sometimes do do something about it and it turns out this person's just wonky looking, but has no bad intentions, then you're on the hook for that. We've created that in this society where, you know, there's, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other kind of scenario. Me, I always advocate looking on the worst side, you know, like this situation you're talking about in the bar. It could have been that I was totally wrong. That never happened. But that time I was right. If we were there, if everybody was still there, the bartender, everything, who knows what could have happened? Somebody could have lost their life. You don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 
kind of tough to judge some of these situations, but you just kind of better off assuming that it, it could be, it could go sideways and that's the worst, worst about it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was I'm just watching that, um, video of that confrontation at the gas station. It goes on for like way too long. You know what I mean? Like at, at that point with all the reinforcements arriving, you just know that this is going to go horribly wrong. Even though it starts off as a two-on-two confrontation, somebody dials in extra people and, like you called it, a get-back is a pretty good term. Somebody gets back in. Well, yeah, and and, and, and there's, uh, again, they, they may, here's, here's another thing. Let me, let, me, let me briefly mention this on the subject of, of get-backs. Getting out of there is one thing, but... I strongly urge anyone who's in this situation, don't go home, okay? Don't go to your house. Because unless you're astute, <clears throat> now this sounds paranoid, like I'm, a, you know, like I'm a paranoid person, but I'm telling you, don't go home. Because you don't know if you're being followed. You, you don't want them to know where you live, of all places, okay? Go somewhere else. Try, you kind of get lost in the crowd. If you can, or drive, you know, if you, if you absolutely have to get home, you know, drive indirectly to your house. Uh, and if you're really, really seriously concerned about it, drive to the nearest police station, okay, and explain it, you know. Um, because, yeah, either the last thing you need, our home is supposed to be our sanctuary, no matter where you live, even if you're staying at a motel. Uh, you're on business and you're, you're gone for six months living out of a, out of a travel lodge or something. That's our sanctuary, Martin. You don't want that invaded. So don't let these assholes know where you live. That's the biggest mistake you can make. For sure. But uh, I'll tell you why this sounds, uh, what you're saying sounding paranoid, not because it's wrong, but because most times these days, people will not only that will they uh, not pay that level of attention to their surroundings or being followed or not, but they'll also, Take pictures, post them on Instagram, and check in on Facebook. So every, <laughs> everyone knows where they are. And I, I think a lot of these like shootings are actually happening because people are constantly connected to social media, which allows them their adversaries to follow them anywhere they want. There was an incident recently in Chicago where somebody, gunman, got on a public bus and shot a guy. I mean, it wasn't a random attack. They knew he was on it. And I suspect it's because he was on Facebook broadcasting his location. Like people are live streaming themselves. And there is geolocation on all these things. And unless you are very careful about turning it off, it will broadcast to everyone where you're at. Well, just like people who post all, yeah, my wife and I are going on vacation. We're going to, you know, Vegas for a week. Well, now you just let the people know that that house is vacant. You know, it's going to be, nobody's going to be there for seven days or whatever. And people were getting robbed. Police tell people, do not post that you're going on vacation. You can post afterwards when you come back, but just don't let people know because you're broadcasting this. You don't want to do that. It's. Well, there was an incident also where, um, some celebrities got robbed because people could see them on TV being at a different location. So they went to the house and they emptied it. But yeah. I don't think we have to worry about that. No, no, I, I knew a story now and I can't tell it because I don't recall the details because, but it, it was something that happened here, which I, I think, I don't think I told you this, but something about somebody that I knew um, 
well, it's a shame that I can't remember what it was, but it was about tickets or, yeah, it, that, it was some, something like that. They they either gave away furniture or they sold furniture at such a terrific price. He lived in a very expensive neighborhood. And um, so when the people came and got the furniture, they were all like blown away by this. And he said, hey, you know, this price or what, whatever it was, it was like, we need to, we need to make it right with you. You know, you, you, you did us really right. And they gave, they gave him two tickets to the, for him and his wife to the Cubs game, you know, real nice box seat tickets and shit. And so they went to the Cubs game when they came home, their house was wiped out. That was all part of the con. It was a con that he got, my buddy got conned, uh, by giving away shit. And then here's tickets go. And they, so they knew that they weren't going to be home. Yeah. Crazy right. shit. That's actually I mean, very clever. Well, it is clever because they, 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 you know, oh, my wife and I are diehard cup fans, you know, Oh, boom, here we go. So, <laughs> um, and again, this is a bit of paranoia, a bit over the top shit, but you know, stuff like that happens. I mean, con artists now, granted, this wasn't a violent crime, but con men, con artists, they could be men and women, of course. Uh, they're very shrewd and very, uh, you know, they'll get you good. Um, but this one was a nice one because it wasn't about any other payoff. It wasn't based on greed. You know, con men tend to work on persons, people's greed. This wasn't. This was just like, oh, this person's being really nice to me. It's an act of kindness. Well, no. And they invested in it, too. Like, they yep. invested in the ticket. It wasn't. One of the more clever things that I've seen, um, and it was clever not because it was particularly well engineered, but because it was so well executed. Um, my friend got uh, pickpocketed on a train in uh, Barcelona. So we knew that Barcelona is rife with pickpockets, right? Because uh, it, it's a weird, like, a crime um, uh, hole where they will only prosecute over 500 euros worth of stolen goods. So pickpockets usually get less than that. But what this guy did, and I could see it, uh, he had a fake arm. And he was very well dressed, and he had a jacket draped over the fake arm. But what that really means is that you think that arm is not mobile, and he's only got one hand, which he's using to hold onto the hand, you know, the, the, the handrails in, um, in the train. But meanwhile, he's got a whole other arm that he can work with. <laughs> and he took my friend's phone. And the second he left the train, I go, check your pocket to my friend. And he goes, my phone is gone. And this happened even though I was looking at the guy. I just wanted to make sure that nothing got lost when he left the, the train. And sure enough, it did. He got it. Did you kept the phone back? No, he was gone. See, those he, guys, he, he, they're... He they're... leaves the train right, right as the doors are closing. So you can't really follow him out. When I, this is going to sound preposterous, but when I was a young kid, there was a, a little older guy, a boy, that lived down, the, not on my street, but like right, he was a bad guy. He was a criminal, but he was a master pickpocket. I mean, the guy used to practice pickpocketing, okay? And when I remember when we were, we would go like for a festival or something downtown, I, you know, my, my family never went. I always had to take, I went by myself, I went on the bus. I remember one time the bus driver said, everybody watch your, watch your wallets when you go downtown today because they're out there and they will pick you so clean. And they're like magicians. They really are. They're, they're, 
experts at pickpocketing. Um, you you got to use your own. You got to be pro. You got to know how to counter a pickpocket before it happens because you'll never feel it. Okay, they're good. Uh, real, real. I good. was watching this guy, Tony. I was watching him the whole time. I knew what he was up to. He still did it. Yeah. Well, that's like card manipulators. I love card magic. You, I mean, even when you know what they're doing, if they're good, you still don't see them do it. It's almost imperceptible, you know, or it should be imperceptible. So, yeah, you got to give these people credit because they're they're masters at what they do, even though they're they're criminal. Doesn't mean they're not talented. You know, pool hustlers, same way. Some guys are so good. Some guys cheat. They're not really good. They just cheat. But there's others that are just so God, so good. You know, and they and they they play under speed, and I see them. I watch what they're doing. They're setting somebody up, some poor chump that just that happened to Scott, my friend, who was on this show. Scott got beat by one of the best out in Texas, man, Little Al, and uh, Little Al ate him up and spit him out. Man, the last next thing you know, Scott was out about a. I think he said he lost about fifteen hundred bucks. So you know, that yeah, shit happens. But yeah, fighting though. I always tell everybody, always err on the side of overreact than underreact, okay? Because um, once you under, if you underreact, it may be too late. You may never be able to get your momentum. You may be mentally out of the game. You may be physically out of the game. It's always better to overreact than to underreact. And, uh, yeah, I'm that way. Um, Hey, what was that? Something just went, oh, it was a bug. Um, something, so like, okay, so I got into it with somebody a few weeks ago, not physical, but I told him it's, it's done. I'm done talking. Come on. And everybody freaked out, so on and so forth. Sadly to say, Martin, he's from Poland, but, uh, anyhow, I ran into him yesterday and he was all, you know, I'm sorry. I'm Tony. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He offered his hand. I said, I'm sorry, Tony. This shit happens. I said, but just Take one thing from this. Don't ever, ever, ever push my buttons. Just don't do it. Just know me as as the asshole, okay? I'd rather you think of me as an asshole than, than to think of me as the greatest guy in the world and push my buttons. I don't like my buttons pushed. And, you know, he had no chance. He would have been, it would have been over in seconds for the guy, but that's irrelevant. But the good news is he apologized. And, you know, yeah, I, people may have thought I overreacted. No. I'm not going to give anybody a chance, you know, to maybe get a weapon or get on their phone and call help. You know, this is bullshit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I always feel like uh, the reinforcements are the hardest thing to control because it's just gets so ugly so quickly. And uh, yeah. So uh, shall we call it Tony? Yeah, I think this was good. I, uh, I want to thank you again, Martin, for being on the show and uh, we'll, hopefully see Martin or Martin. We'll see uh, Joe back next week. So everybody, once again, thanks for watching the snap, no tap podcast. Thank you again, Martin. And I'll, I'll see you guys real soon. Bye-bye. Bye.